Hello, hello, hello everybody. This is Andy White and this is Podcasting Advisor episode 20. Uh, the show that um, explains to you how to sort of uh, produce a podcast, how to uh, make podcasts with uh, tips and guidance and interviews as in today. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. So if you want to start a podcast or you're already producing a podcast, then uh, you're listening to the right show. I'm Andy White. I'm based in Brighton, which is down at the bottom of the UK on the south coast. And I'm also known as Dr. Pod, spelled out Dr. Pod, not DR Pod, and I'm a professional podcast producer, um, presenter, and coach. Well, we're going to have an interview with Benjamin Grundy from Mysterious Universe in a minute, but just before we go on to that, a couple of quick bits of news. Um, I'm doing a th- actually the. They're local bits of news, these are. I'm doing a talk at the uh, the Hub on Friday the 29th of October up at the Preston Park Tavern in Havelock Road, Brighton. I'm doing a talk there on how to consume podcasts. as a quick 10-minuter with questions at the end. And then a slightly bigger event on um, Tuesday the 16th of November at 6.30 in the evening up at Speed Communications, Covent Garden, London. Um, I will be at the uh, London Podcasting Symposium. And uh, I'll be there with a guy called uh, Chris Lee. Kudos to Chris Lee, by the way, way, for setting all this up. Uh, Well done, Chris. Chris is from Run Marketing. There'll be a guy called Kevin Newman, who I co-host with on Internet Marketing. Uh, He's from Site Visibility. And uh, a chap called Gary Andrews. He has a podcast called the Two-Footed Tackle Podcast. It's a football podcast. And, And I'll be speaking as well. The, there are 35 places as far as I know, so don't hang around if you want to get in there. There's going to be, I think, an Eventbrite page up. It's not quite ready yet, so what I'll do is I'll put a link in the show notes, and that's how to get there. And we're going to use the uh, Twitter hashtag, um, LDNpod. And I believe there's going to be a bit of networking and beer drinking afterwards as well, so that should be quite good. I think we're all going to um, adjourn to the bar afterwards. Okay, right, on to today's interview with uh, Benjamin Grundy of Mysterious Universe. Mysterious Universe is a fantastic podcast. I've been wanting to interview Ben for quite a while now because um, it is such a good podcast. He uses music in it fantastically. The content is fantastic, and I just think that he's a, a great example of um, you know what you should be doing right in a podcast. So without any further ado, let's listen to Ben Grundy. So I'm absolutely delighted to have on the line Mr. Benjamin Grundy from Mysterious Universe. Hello, Ben. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. Uh, what time is it over there in Australia? Because it's, uh, it's uh, quarter past eight in the morning over here. It's a quarter past six over here. I think I got the good end of this deal. Y- yeah, yeah. So you're, you're just sort of <laughs> chilling out for the evening now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm more of an afternoon, evening kind of guy. So I was happy that you, you took the, uh, the morning, <laughs> the morning shift for this, <laughs> this and one. I, and I'm more of a morning guy. So it's, just, it's worked out perfectly, hasn't it? Oh, that's good. So Ben, I think the, fe- the, the, the first thing to, uh, to cover is, because a lot of my listeners won't, may not have heard of Mysterious Universe, but I have to just say to the listeners that Mysterious Universe is actually my favourite podcast of all times, apart from my own, of course, I have to say that. Wow. And uh, Ben, just tell, just tell the, uh, the viewers, I always say viewers, they're listeners really, aren't they? Tell the listeners about <laughs> Mysterious Universe, how long it's been going, what it's all about. Oh, I'm flattered that it's your favourite show, and Mysterious Universe is essentially about anything paranormal anything strange and weird i've been doing it since i think it was early 2006 i started mm. and we cover ufos uh sasquatch ghost sightings conspiracy ancient mysteries anything that's off the mainstream radar we tend to pick up on and enjoy talking about um and you know we we seem to be able to tap into that I don't know, that sense of mystery that people have, you know, people love to hear a good mystery, a good story. Yeah. And, you know, that's really what the show show is about. We, we don't necessarily believe everything that we cover on the show, but you know, we, we're more into finding the, that, that kind of killer hook, that, that mystery uh, behind each story. And uh, Ben, I have to tell you, that, I have to ask you this, because I mean, I, I would never listen to your show sort of lying on my bed at night because I would just be completely freaked out. Do you ever freak yourself out? <laughs> well, it's funny you ask that, actually, because I, I feel like I'm desensitised now. Really? You know, I really I really feel that this is this is kind of my job, as I'm sure you understand. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm going through the stories and the topics we cover, it, it's kind of like I've got to be professional about it and this is what I do now. But people still email all the time and go, I can't sleep anymore or, you know, <laughs> I've had nightmares for the last two weeks because of this segment you had on the show. But I think my uh, business partner and co-host Aaron is kind of getting – it still has that a little bit, like still gets a little bit freaked out by some of the stuff we talk about. 
but uh, he's starting to get the kind of desensitized, mm. <laughs> you know, desensitized attitude as well. Now, um, how did you start this podcast? Because I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here that the paranormal is your passion. Would that be right, Ben? Absolutely. I mean, I've yeah. always been interested in, you know, strange things and, and I guess topics that aren't always covered in, in mainstream media. And um, for me, it was, it was also linked with, I guess, a spiritual perspective when I was younger as well, like searching for, for answers to things and the big questions that we always, you know, look for at certain mm-hmm. times in our life. And for me, that was coupled with the paranormal world because it seemed as though, you know, there was a lot of things that, that, that happen in, in this world that uh, I guess the majority of people look on as uh, some kind of fantasy or an imaginary thing. But it seems as though more and more people were having these experiences that just defied explanation. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking into, I guess, answers to spiritual questions, that, that world kind of was mixed in and I started to you know, really look into it and research it. So what got you into the podcast? What, what sort of gave you the idea of podcasting then? Well, I was always into electronic music. I, I produced electronic music for, since I was I don't know, 15 or 16, ah. and that was, my, that was my thing. That was my hobby. Yeah. And I ended up, there was kind of two parts of my life, like two big passions in my life. I, I loved doing the music, but I was also very interested in Eastern philosophy and, uh, and Eastern medicine, specifically Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And I ended up going to university for the latter, for Chinese medicine, at uh, the UTS uni here in Sydney. And while I was doing that, I was kind of making music at night. So I was you know, doing my Eastern thing during the day and music at night. And it was in my first year of, of the uh, Bachelor of Health Science course I was doing that I got offered a record deal by a local label here in Sydney. So being, you know, like a 19-year-old kid, yeah. the first I just I, I jumped on it and, you know, they gave me a cash, a big cash advance and, they had a million dollar studio, so I was just a starry eyed kid in awe of, you know, this this the music industry. So I quickly packed up my bags, left university, and uh, you know started working on an album. Uh, and looking back on it, you know, I can see how they they may have taken advantage of me because I was so young and and I didn't really know the industry. And they I ended up signing a ludicrous, like absolutely insane deal with these guys, this little label okay. who I won't name because mm. I mean, they're not around anymore, but, um, and I just got, I, I, I mean, I had fun there and I, I learned a lot and a lot of the production skills that I have and apply to mysterious universe came from my time, you know, with this studio and making music and working with their clients. But in the end, I just got really sick of the music industry and uh, the, more specifically with the label I was with, they just seemed to be, you know, not going anywhere. And um, it is really tough to kind of make money in that industry as well because sure, we were making yeah. kind of really niche music. So I got out of that and, and just, you know, went sadly back into retail and, you know, did that for a couple of years. But I, it was the creative juices weren't flowing. I really wanted to do something fun and creative. So mm. about this time, this is when podcasting was really kicking off in 2005, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, I thought I can do that, you know, and no, no one was really talking about paranormal things and you know, mysteries that I was interested in. So I just put the two together, and and it worked. You know, people people responded straight away, and I think it was easy for for Mysterious Universe to stand out in those early years because because I came from that electronic music background and I had those production values instilled in me. Yeah, it was really easy to to make it sound good. You know, compared to everyone else that was using their, you know, their MacBook microphones or you know their five dollar mics and sounding horrible. So, w- did you get feedback quite early on, uh, Ben? Yeah, it seemed as though people were were well. First of all, the Australian accent was different, mm. and, and I immediately found that the American audience was was you know as I, you might find the same. It was just a huge part of of the listenership. It seemed as though yeah. you know that that worked for me in. in in several ways, like the Americans loved the Australian accent. They loved the fact that our show sounded better than a lot of other shows. Mm. And they loved the fact that people would, you know, I was talking about topics that people wanted to hear about, but couldn't get in, in the newspaper or their everyday, you know, news sources. Sure. Yeah. And did you, uh, silly question coming up, Ben, but I mean, the, the, the original <laughs> version of this question was, and did you enjoy it, Ben? But I think a more sensible <laughs> version of the question is, what what benefits did you get personally from actually podcasting? Did you find it quite a, um, did you find it an experience that sort of changed you in any way? 
Very deep well, question was, there. It's, yeah, no, it's interesting because when I first started, it was really just to get those creative juices flowing. And I actually really enjoyed doing the research and putting the shows together. And, you know, I still get that satisfaction after hours of work and a show is finally done. Mm. I feel like I've I've created something that, that people are going to enjoy. And there's definitely that that satisfaction there. But uh, I also, later on, I eventually, the, the feedback you get uh, from the audience and, and you start to realize you are, you know, people are, really are enjoying what you're doing. That that was huge for me as well to to get that feedback and 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 you realise when you're in the the medium of podcasting you're just reaching the world. I mean, I was getting emails from I think one of the best ones I got was from someone working at the research base in Antarctica. Oh, amazing! And they were downloading our Mysterious Universe episodes, and it was taking like it was taking half the day to get the episode because their connection was so slow. <laughs> But they were just sticking it out, you know, sitting there in this, uh, you know, the most isolated place on earth listening to Mysterious Universe. And, you know, that, that kind of blew me away. It's amazing. So isn't there it? was, yeah, yeah, there was the, the feedback from the audience was, was really satisfying as well. And, and, you know, now, I mean, this is what I do for a living. And I often have to just stop and think how lucky I am to be able to do something like this as my job. I mean, it is, re- it is a really kind of interesting, rare, job to be able to, to do this, especially the topics that Mysterious Universe is about. I think, mm. um, you know, Aaron and I are, are really lucky. So, because you, you're doing this full time, aren't you, uh, Benjamin? Yeah, I kind of, I had a brief stint to, of uh, doing it full time on my own. Mm. I think that was late 2007. I, I tried that, which ended up like finishing disastrously because I, yeah. I totally overestimated or underestimated the the work involved. But tell you, when we brought the show back, I had a, a help this time, and Aaron Aaron Wright, my co-host, uh, you know, we formed a little company around the the show and tried to do things, you know, really by the book and re- and really properly this time, really professionally. Yeah, and yeah. um, you know, we've been doing this full time since I think it was March. Was it March last March this year? Yeah, I yeah. think it's something I'll like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I lose track of time, but um. You know, yeah, this is our day job, and mm. we each put in, you know, 40, 40, 50 hours a week to get to get these shows out and manage our our website and our our customers. Yeah, now, it's 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 fun. It's great. Now you mentioned um, about a, a bit of a hiccup you had. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute because I think that's going to be quite valuable um, sort of information for our listeners. But just before we, we move on to that, you mentioned about what was going through your mind when you when you started doing podcasts. What what advice would you give to people who are thinking of getting started in podcasting? Maybe they've got a passion or something they 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 want a podcast about. What would you say to people that want to do that but don't really know where to start? Well, the key, Andy, is what you said. It's the passion. I mean, you have to have the passion for it first mm. because essentially, you know, you can you can pile on thousands of dollars worth of microphones and, and gear and fancy stuff. And if you don't have the passion about the topic, then no one's going to keep listening to you. Mm. So you've got to find something that you're passionate about and also perhaps find a, that, that little niche that works for you. Um, you know, try, try and work into something where not many people are doing it and it's, it's, it's a niche that you know. Mm. But also, I guess, for, for people that are thinking about starting is listen. You have to listen to other shows and, you know, I'd suggest you find your niche that, that you're interested in and maybe download the, the top five shows for that niche and just generally make a uh, listen closely to a lot of episodes they do and, and make a list of what you like about them and what you don't like about them. And honestly, just try and try and emulate because uh, there's a lot of great podcasts out there that do things really well. And mm. I think, you know, people can learn just a lot from from listening in but the key the key element again is is the passion you've got to have the passion for the topics now, now ben can, can we because uh, I, th- I think you have got um a very valuable story to tell because i remember when i first started listening to uh, mysterious universe which i think i think it was late 2006 i might be wrong mm. and i just totally got into it and then all of a sudden you disappeared and i think mm. you, you mentioned you were happy to talk about that I mean, what happened there and, and what lessons do you think you can convey to other podcasters well, it all kind of started when I decided to go full time because I was doing the show once a week, and you know that was fine. It was about an hour show, and I I, I worked full time mm. and, and did it on my weekends. Um, and as the show began to grow and the listenership began to grow, I started to think, well, maybe I can actually do this full time. The the audience is there, and people were asking if they could get more shows, and were willing to pay for it. So after I, I went to uh, LA for a podcasting convention, I think it was the second one 
uh, they had there in, in LA and, you know, came, kind of came back inspired with a lot of ideas and decided to, to give it a shot. I did, um, uh, uh, the, still did the free version of Mysterious Universe and put a little extension on that for, for premium subscribers. And then I, was, I did two extra shows that were called uh, Mind Shots. And uh, initially I thought in my head, this will be easy. You know, I'll, I'll do a slightly longer show. I'll have all this time mm. and I'll, I'll put in these extra little shows, these two extra little shows for people that want to pay. And for a long time, it did actually work really well. You know, people, people signed up. I charged $5 a month and mm. they got their extra content. But then I started to, you know, it dawned on me, and this is a real learning experience. You don't think about, well, I didn't think about all the extra little things that that come into play when you start charging for content. Mm. And, you know, things like customer customer support, people just in general were having trouble, you know, technical issues, trying to get their, their special feed to work, or they couldn't log into the website. People had problems with PayPal, and it would unsubscribe them, and I would have to, you know fix up their memberships it yeah. was just so it was all those ledge cases was it benjamin right it was everything apart from doing the shows started to add up and eventually that stuff took more time mm. than actually you know sitting down and, and, and doing these shows that i love to do uh, and it got to the point where i was falling behind in my schedule you know, I, was, I was working seven days a week i wasn't taking a break and it seemed as though when I did miss shows, I mean, I mean, the first couple of times it happened, people were understanding. But if I did it too often, uh, you know, people just got, uh, you know, really ruthless and and didn't stand for it. And there was there was quite a backlash uh, from paying customers, which was you know, which was understandable. Yeah. But for me, it was really a snowball effect that just kept on getting worse and worse. And I fell into depression because I I just felt you know felt this workload building up and building up, and I just could not see a way out. There was just no way that I could, you know, answer all these support emails and fix up everyone's accounts and, mm. and do these you know hours worth of shows. And the thing was, those extra two shows that I had initially conceived to be kind of 15 minute quick news bursts yep. they ended up being you know half hour 45 minute oh, shows as yeah, well been there. <laughs> so you know everything just kept on getting longer and longer and yeah. it got to it got to the point where i had to just say to myself i've got to pull the plug because mm. i'm i'm going insane and uh i need to step away from this and just you know collect the pieces so what i ended up doing was um at the time, because I was depressed, I, I really didn't want to, you know, either communicate with anyone. It got to that point where it really became a problem, and um, I ended up just pulling the plug on everyone's uh, membership. And then mm-hmm. over a period of, I think it was a month or a month and a bit, I just refunded to everyone that I could. I essentially emptied emptied my bank accounts and refunded, you know, all all the people that had men- memberships over that time period. Yeah. Um. Oh. And yeah, I just I had to step away. <laughs> I had to step away from it. Yeah. But in the end, I mean, it was such a learning experience because now doing the show the second time, I can see ahead, and I can see when things are starting to go down that old track, and I can I can stop those things from happening. You know, nip them in the bud, so to speak. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and keep on top of things. Because when when you came back, uh, you you then gained a, a co-host. Is, have I got that right, uh, Ben? Had, had Aaron joined you at the point where you reappeared, or was it slightly after well, the time that you reappeared? Well, Aaron actually contacted me slightly before the show came back, and he was interested in buying the back catalogue. And he was thinking, he was kind of thinking like an entrepreneur, and he wanted to, to sell it because he knew there was a lot of Mysterious Universe fans still out there. Yeah. Um. So in that conversation, we I sort of I thought of, sort of said to him, you know, why don't we why don't we bring it back? Because I was I didn't want to leave it at that point, and I, I always thought that if I don't give it a second shot, that I'll regret it for the the rest mm. of my life. Mm. So Aaron Aaron was really open to the idea of bringing it back, and he was going through a change in his career. So we thought, you know, let's let's bring it back. And we, at first, it's funny. At first, he wanted to be just behind the scenes, but I'm really glad in the end he decided to you know jump on the mic and join in as you know, become part of the show because it's made such a huge difference. And having that second person there, I mean, the old saying, it's such a cliche to say two heads are better than one. Oh, yeah. But it's just, it's so, so true with this show. I mean, it is just, it's just night and day compared to the the kind of horror I went through (laughs) producing the show at the end of 2007 when it was just me. I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot better now. You do you do work very very well together. I love uh, podcasts with with two co-hosts 
because they they just I mean you, you and Aaron are great because you banter you joke and and you just leave it in it's terrific you know I bet I bet yeah. a few of those end up on the cutting room floor though don't they <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty There's plenty that doesn't make the cut Yeah but uh, sometimes it, it, I wish we could leave everything in but it's a bit risque sometimes <laughs> Yeah it's a bit like with me and uh, and Kelvin on the internet marketing show um, <laughs> yeah, right. several bits of that end up on the cutting room floor um, <laughs> what was I was going to say Yeah it's interesting this thing about co-hosts I mean what when you what advice would you give to people who are looking to get a co-host how do you sort of know if it's going to work well, Aaron and I were lucky because uh, when he first approached me, this was months before we even planned on bringing the show back. Um, so, we had time and I wasn't in any rush. So, we had time to kind of get to know each other and become friends and, and build up that rapport. Mm. So, for people that are thinking of bringing someone in, uh, you really have to, I, I guess, for Aaron, when I met him, there was like an instant, this is- feeling of this is someone I can get along with and, you know, this is someone who seems confident and and would be a good match, but also someone I'm going to get along with really well. And I think if you're maybe auditioning people or thinking about people to to bring into a podcast, you have to have that rapport and that 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 feeling of, um, you know, this is someone that, that I can go back and forth with every single week. Yeah. And uh, you, some might argue that you want you want contrasts and you want like a fiery <laughs> temper that like a yin yang relationship. <laughs> but I think in the end, you know, you, you're going to be you're going to want it, you're going to want someone that you're kind of uh, I don't know, compatible with and and share some similar ideas mm. and it's that you need that rapport otherwise I don't think it would work. Ben, can we talk about um, monetization models? A lot of people uh, that I find uh, when I'm consulting, doing consulting on podcasting, a lot of people say, well, how do you make money from podcasts? And I normally end up saying to them, well, if you want to make money directly from your podcast, then the freemium model is probably a good way to go. Mm. Uh, is that, that's pretty much what you're doing. Would you agree with that, Benjamin? And would you say that the freemium model is a good way to go? I think it's the only one of the only way to go is at this stage. I mm. mean, uh, you know, and when you say freemium, I presume you mean you have a free product and you also yeah. have. Sorry, a paid I use product. I use the buzz term there. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> what I mean by freemium is is that you basically have a free podcast, but you also have some sort of extra ones behind some sort of paywall. Right, we believe in added value for mm. our paying paying customers, um, and but we still we still want to have that free product because that that allows it's a perfect opportunity for our new new listeners to come in, mm. um, and I think without without the free version of our show we would probably we wouldn't last we would probably die out because uh, mm. you need that those those fresh ears to come in and and, and listen. But it's funny you know back in two thousand five two thousand six the, all the buzz was about advertising dollars for podcasts. Yes, people were very idealistic about you know, how advertisers would respond to podcasts. There was all this talk of you know you're reaching millions of listeners. Podcasting is the next big thing. But I, I think we've realised that the reality is uh, the advertising money just isn't really there. I mean, the only advertisers I've seen regularly uh, is is really Audible. It pops up regularly on podcasts and a few other, you know, and go to meeting advertisers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you GoDaddy, you, you get the same the same companies advertising, but mm. it isn't the big, you know, the big money pit that people I think were expecting. So I think a lot of podcasters and and just you know, media producers in general are starting to realize that if you want to monetize you really have to monetize your existing audience you, you have to rely on those people that your fans and your audience to to sustain your your business mm. um and yeah i think the freemium model as you call it is is the best way to do that uh, it's just it's just you know people still get their their free people still getting something for free uh, yes. you, you have that draw of the, the the extra content, which, you know, if people want that option, they, they're certainly willing to pay for it. I think it's the best way to go. Brilliant. Right. Hear that noise? That's me rubbing my hands together, Benjamin. Because <laughs> I now want to talk about equipment. <laughs> oh, you're a bit of a tech head, aren't you, Dr. I am a Pod? bit of a tech head. I, I, I bore my wife silly because whenever, whenever we're watching telly <laughs> together, you know, and we're watching like a band on telly, I was like, oh, that's a such and such microphone. Oh, why has he got an SM58 there with that cover on it? And, oh, and she goes, Andy, I'm just not interested. <laughs> I like you, Andy. I like you already. So You sound um, like my kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, now I would highly encourage my listeners to go and have a listen to Mysterious Universe and we'll, 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 we'll tell you where to go at the end. And tell you where to go. We'll tell you how to find Benjamin's uh, super podcast at the end. Um, but it is a fantastic quality. And I have to, the question has to arise. What mics are you using, Ben? 
Oh, this is interesting. You see, well, nothing we really have. First off, nothing we really have I would consider pro audio level. I really? mean, everything we have, I would, I would say semi-pro. Mm. For our mics, we use two Rode Procasters. Okay. Uh, which are which are pretty cheap. I mean, reasonably cheap. I think Australia they're around three hundred dollars each. We've oh, they're, they're condenser those. mics, aren't they, Benjamin? No, they're dynamics. They're, oh, they're, they're dynamic mics. They sound right. like and condensers. They're, they're, it, well, they're very similar uh, to the Electra Voice RE twenties. Ah, and and I think I think Rode essentially tried to make or copy their own version of the RE twenties, and the RE twenties are famous for broadcast. Uh, so that's what attracted us to the the Procasters, and I, I hate the name Procaster because you know, it's anything that's kind of marketed to the podcast world is generally not amazing. It's kind of you know semi pro gear, mm. but um, these these just had that that sound that was close to the RE twenty, but you know it didn't cost an arm and a leg, mm. and. Um, because it's dynamic, and I've used condensers before, and some of the earlier shows, you know, I was using condensers. The problem with condensers is they send they team. They seem to pick up the room uh, like this, incredibly Benjamin. well. Like this, I'll demonstrate. Could you hear that? <laughs> yeah, Hang on, exactly. I'll, just, I'll just drop a pin over the other side of the office. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Clang! <laughs> exactly. Listen, so I'm I can, really embarrassed, Ben, because you see, I thought, right, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be interviewing uh, Ben from Mr. News Universe. I'm sure they use condenser mics. I'm going to get my SE Electronics <laughs> 220T valve condenser mic out. <laughs> and, I, and then I learn you're using Dynamics. Well, no, look, condensers sound amazing. I mean, they sound really good. But the problem is, you know, it, they you got to have a good room to match the condenser. I know. And whenever I was using the condenser with a non-treated room or even with my uh, sound booth... Um, I just was never that happy with the sound. And it's not till I go back and if I A, B our new recordings with the old recordings, I think these dynamics just completely wipe the floor with the condensers. Yeah. Um, and they also suit our style because we use a very close miking technique. I mean, we, we get right in on the mics. We like to be, you know, really in your face and really in your ear yeah. with our recordings. So, you know, Aaron and I, you know, we, we work with each other really hard to make sure we're always using good mic technique. Um, you know, nice and close, so you're getting the full, the full, you know, sure. timbre of our voice. Yeah. We've also got condensers. I mean, I've got a Rode NT1. Um, we've got a couple of SM48s, you know, for when guests come in. Mm. But our bread and butter is is the Procasters. Um, we also okay. have a Zoom H4n uh, portable recorder. Oh yes, which is yes, f- fantastic. That's such a good bit of kit. Mm. Um, and we use that whenever we're going portable. So Aaron did a recent interview where he went off to a, um, a psychic's house for, for a day. Oh, excellent. And, uh, you know, all he needed to take was the little Zoom H4n and use the inbuilt mics and it sounded amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, uh, and they are condensers and that was interesting for us because it really picks up the sound of the room and you could hear birds and you but, know, but Do you know, I like that because I've, I've got the H4n's uh, little predecessor, just the H4, and it's still going fine. I mean, I, I, I moan about it because it creaks a bit. It's a bit plasticky. But I think the, the H4n is a bit of a better build quality, isn't it? But w- the point I was going to make was I think that uh, with mobile recordings, when you're out and about, I think it's great to have some ambiance so I think yeah. it works great for me. Yeah, I love that. And it's a real contrast. You know, when we go out and, and capture record, I love hearing that that ambience, as you said. Mm. Um, and you mentioned before the recording when we jumped on, you asked how the vocal booth was going. And I, I sold that, you know. Yes, because <laughs> you said, uh, just, just, just for our viewers, our listeners, um, I, I remember because you said, Benjamin, it was, was it, oh, it was a while ago. You said, oh, and we're getting a sound booth. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I just assumed you were still using it. Using it. Well, I had the. Uh, it's at vocalbooth.com and, and they make great products. Um, mm. But all I could afford, they're very expensive. All I could afford was the four by four booth. Okay. Um, so that was fine when I was well, so on my own. So you had to own. curl up into a little ball to get into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's t- It's like a telephone booth. So I'd sit in there, and when Aaron came on board, I'd sit in the booth, and Aaron would sit outside. So yeah. I mean, it sounded it sounded strange already. So we knew yeah. that we had to get rid of it. Um, it was more of an aesthetics and and. I guess it was it was just inconvenient to have that giant booth around, but we actually moved to uh, a room in Aaron's house and then set up this little studio and we use these things called ready bags. Ah. Um, and you know, as I was saying to you before the show, I think treating the room is so important because, and that's what you hear with a lot of shows. They they yeah. you can tell straight away that they haven't treated their room. Um, yeah, we've we've got fifteen acoustic panels on our walls here. We've got three on the back. We've got the corners yeah. filled out. Uh, there's panels over my head here, and yes. there's panels behind me. 
Um, so, you know, that that is quite expensive, uh, I mean, for podcasting, but we actually found a pretty cheap solution. There's a company called Ready Acoustics. Yeah. And you can order these things called Ready Bags, and they're basically made to fit your standard uh, insulation bats. Okay. So, you order the bags and you buy the insulation bats from your you know, local hardware store. Yeah. Fill the bags with the insulation bats and they're really light and easy to mount on the wall. Mm. And it sounds amazing. It sounds fantastic in here. So, these are just uh, big panels that you hang on the wall that absorb sound, Ben, aren't they? Effectively. That's the right. They're, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're absorbing the reflections. And yeah. it, it just it makes a huge difference. And we also put uh, you know, fresh carpet, nice thick carpet on the studio floor here yeah. to, to deaden the sound as well. Brilliant. So, you know, the, the, the acoustic panels are my, probably my favorite bit of kit. I love them. They yeah. make such a difference to our sound. And somebody told me, actually, in fact, it was, it was Rob Greenlee, when I interviewed Rob, Rob Greenlee a few weeks ago, he said to me something I didn't realise. He said, if you can put something into the corners of your room, it makes a huge difference. Have you found that? Oh, massive, yeah. Because okay, mm. that's where you get, uh, you know, people put up bass traps for recording. But, yeah. I mean, that's where you get a lot of the really nasty reflections coming from is, is the corners. Yeah. Um, so you really need to, to treat them. I mean, for people getting in... First, starting in podcasting, don't think that you have to go and spend thousands. Of I know dollars there's a couple of because we're a couple of complete audio files, aren't we? So talking about yeah, how to get the perfect sound. You don't have to rebuild your house. I mean, when I was first doing the show, uh, you know, in uh, in 2007, I used to take my couch apart and just take the cushions off. You know, take the cushions off the bottom and yeah. take blankets off the bed, and I'd yeah. just throw everything in my study and I'd record yeah. in there. That's what my just studio having, looks like now. <laughs> yeah, just having the cushions. I mean, that yeah. makes such a difference. It, it sounds so much better. Yeah. So you know, people can do that if they don't want to spend the money. Now, what about uh, post production, uh, Ben? What what do you sort of what software do you use to sort of post produce your your sound? Oh, are you ready for the chain? <laughs> our, Go on, then. Give, our, us the, give us the chain. chain. Give us the our full software chain. chain is pretty hardcore. Um, so we record in Pro Tools. So we go in through our Profire M Audio Profire interface. Mm-hmm. Um, go straight into Pro Tools. On the way in, we use uh, a WaveArts PowerSuite plugin. It's called a Track Plug, mm-hmm. um, and we just use the compression on that on the way in just to tame tame the levels a bit. So is this um, hardware, so I, Ben, or software? Is this hardware device? This is, this is all plugins. Everything I'll mention here on is, is plugins. Because the only hardware we have is the mics, you know, some studio monitors and our Oh, our sorry, interface. right. Okay, so you're basically, it's a Pro Tools plugin, this compressor that you just mentioned. Yes, yes. Okay, it's a, like a yeah, PowerSuite uh, yeah. Pro Tools plugin. But you can get a VST version as well. It's called from a company called WaveArts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they use that name so they can try and get customers of waves <laughs> nice you'll notice okay. a lot of plug-in companies copy the the really prestigious names but anyway um <laughs> yeah we go we go in with a bit of uh compression just to tame the levels mm-hmm. and after everything's recorded in pro tools we then export out and we use bias peak pro to edit our main files okay now, have you heard of uh peak no i haven't it's from a little company called Bias, and it is. I don't know if you use uh, OS ten or if you use Windows, but if yeah, you're on I'm, a Mac, I'm on the OS ten. I'm a, I'm a Mac fan boy now. Okay, cool. Well, if yeah. you're on a Mac, I th- I think it is the best audio editing software out there. I haven't found anything that that comes close to it, and uh, it o- it'll only work on uh, two channels. So if you're doing multiple channels, it's yeah. it won't work for you. But okay. we just have you know Aaron and I, and it's such a smooth fast, you know, beautiful editing program. So we spend a lot of time in that and edit everything down nicely. And while it's in peak, we apply a, a PSP AudioWare plugin with a gate. Yeah. Um, so we gate out a lot of the noise. Um, then we export out and I run it through a legacy uh, VST compression, multiband compression, uh-huh. which I will never reveal. <laughs> it's it your secret is my source, secret, is it? secret source. It's my secret weapon. No yeah, one will ever know. Because <laughs> you know, Cliff Ravenscraft has got some some a secret source multi band compressor as well. Oh, really? Yes, he has. It's two of you. Well, I'm the same. Some... No one's ever gonna, no one's <laughs> ever going to discover it. It's my secret source, and people always ask what it is, but they're never going to get it. I so will we... not insult you by asking you what it is, Benjamin. <laughs> what is it? I'm just Good. kidding. No, Neil never know. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm actually worried because it, it runs off the old, uh, I have to use the old OS 9 emulator to get it to work. It's that oh, old. So right. I'm worried in future versions of OS 10, like it won't be supported anymore. <laughs> so I'll have to go and buy it. some old Mac. So you've compressed it twice then. So you've compressed it on the way in and you're giving it another compress on the way out, are you? Yeah, it does. This particular plugin, it, it does something to the bottom end, which just... Ah. 
it, it works really well with my voice. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it just it just sounds like butter when it comes out. Sure. Um, and after that, we actually use, uh, I don't know if this is well known, but it's a program called The Levelator. Yeah. Now, I, um, I've got The Levelator. I think it's terrific, but I always use it with caution. Yeah, you have to be careful, but I find, I mean, by the time our audio gets to the levelator, it's it's pretty slammed already. So the yeah. it it um it doesn't actually do that much. It just kind of smooths it out a bit when we run it through that. Mm. So our voices go through the levelator. Then we get all the music for our show, we get all the effects, we get all the little audio samples and mm. we put it all back into Pro Tools. Right. Um and when it's in Pro Tools, we have another level of compression. Um, which goes over, it's from the Synalxis 315 compressor plugin from memory. Okay. Um, so it goes through that. Then we have some pretty basic EQ from DigiDesign. And then the last plugin on, plugin on that is a DSer. Um, everything goes, we mix down in Pro Tools. So we add our music and uh, you know, everything's kind of constructed in Pro Tools. And then we do a final bounce, which goes through a final mastering limiter, and then we compress to uh, 128-bit MP3. So just a quick five-minute job, really, then, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it takes forever. <laughs> it must take about a week it, to do that. It takes so long, but <laughs> I feel like that's our sound now. And yeah, yeah. if I went, I could go probably go back to that chain, and if I really wanted to, I could probably take some of those compression levels out yeah but i feel like that that kind of creates the mysterious universe sound now and there's kind of like a i don't know there's like a mental mental part of me that that doesn't want to deviate from our sound so no you're right it's like it's like the secret formula for coca-cola isn't it like that's your secret formula for, for the for the mu sound that is the MU sound. You're going mm. through all that, and and the you know the legacy compression, the multiband compression that I use, you know, really is the the secret ingredient, and it does make such a difference. But um, we slam the hell out of our audio. That is that is the general <laughs> gist of it. When we compress the absolute crap out of it, Benjamin, can we talk about music? Because uh, one of the main features of your show is the absolutely fantastic music that you put into it, which really just enhances the show. It just sounds absolutely brilliant. Uh, for, for people that are sort of fairly new to podcasting, I mean, tell us where you get your music from and maybe a couple of tips on sourcing music for podcasts. I love this interview. It's just full of compliments. Yeah, well, you, great. you deserve it. This is great. Yeah, it's a brilliant <laughs> um, podcast. I'm glad you enjoy the music because that's mm. another thing that we spend a lot of time sourcing. Uh, we generally use the IOTA promo net um, for our for our music, and I know you've mentioned that on on previous yeah. shows. Mm. Um, it, it it's it really is a time consuming thing, and and I, I I worry that a lot of podcasts use music as an afterthought. Um, but for us, the the music is there not only to provide a break from the stories and you know break up the pacing a little bit. But sometimes you just happen to find, by pure chance, the perfect song for the story that you just talked about. You know, mm. like uh, some very very often I'll find I'll be doing a story on you know a ghost encounter, and you'll find a track on Iota where the lyrics just happen to talk about a, a, a ghostly <laughs> encounter, Excellent. and it just fits fits beautifully. <laughs> um, so we use Iota for our for our free section and and because I'm from an electronic music background I'm always going through the uh electronic genre from mm. from Iota mm. and for our for our plus stuff we kind of we, we sneak in some unlicensed music um and I actually use the the hype machine uh blog as a, as a really great source for kind of new interesting music that's really really fresh mm. um it's it's the URL is hype m and essentially the hype machine is like an aggregator for all the music blogs out there. So is, that, anyone, is that H-Y-P-E-M? Have I got that right? Dot com. H, yeah, H-Y-P-E-M dot com. Brilliant. Uh, fantastic site. Amazing. And you can actually get a Firefox plugin that lets you download the MP3s directly from that site. So it, the, the site works beautifully. You can just stream the tracks. And if you, you find something you like, I kind of sneak those into the podcast. And a lot of the stuff I use is from, you know, small, kind of small independent electronic labels. So... What's the um, license? What's the licensing on that, uh, Ben? Well, well, that's the thing. That's the thing, Andy. We kind of fly under the radar <laughs> with a lot of the licensing on those tracks, and I hope to think that you know the those labels are forward thinking enough to know that you know we are getting the these bands out there, and we are actually helping them 
you know, by playing mm. the music on our show. Uh, yeah. We always link, we always source, you know, link to the sources for the tunes and, you know, we occasionally put buy links in, in yeah. our show notes so that when people have heard a track they like, they can actually go and buy that. And I think, you know, that adds that adds huge value to a labels. And it's funny, actually, a lot of labels have actually emailed us and said, oh, we love it. You know, we, we yeah. love that you used our music in the mm. show, um, you know, can we give you some more? Brilliant. So, you know, if you're using music from majors, uh, be very, very cautious. But mm. I think, uh, you know, with the smaller labels, a lot of them are, are happy uh, to, you know, throw you a track every now and then. And j- just going back to the Ioda, uh, the Ioda promo net, get my teeth in. Um, what's the what's the deal on that? Just just so the listeners know, no Ben, what what, what do you? Because basically, you don't pay for that music, do you? But you have to link to them. Is no. that right? No, it's fantastic. I mean, you you basically have to report what you use, and mm. you need to um, you need to apply for an account. So they need to see that you have a blog or a podcast, mm. and we, you know we got to prove straight away. As long as they can see that you, you, you're genuinely podcasting or blogging, they'll give you an account, mm. and you have to use their their uh, code when you do your show notes. So you actually have to link back to their. Uh, to the track that you used, and it gives buy links for the artist. So, I mean, it's great for the artists because, it, and it's great for podcasters as well because you get all this amazing music, and it is really high quality. Um, it it but is the, great you know, music, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the artists can can easily get revenue from that because you know your listeners can just uh, uh, one quick click away from buying the song or the album. Yeah, highly no. recommend it. I, I love them. Great service. I think they're terrific as well because there's, I mean, there's there's other ones. I mean, I, there's, there's Music Alley and there's um, Opus, which I use. But I think out of all of them, the IOTA Promenet just simply has the best tracks on it, the best the best music. It's fantastic. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Right. Um, moving on, um, Benjamin, can you give us some some tips, uh, some tips from a seasoned podcaster for people? You know, who who are perhaps fairly on in their pod, fairly early on in their podcasting career, can you give us three top tips for a good podcast? Well, in terms of production, uh, you know, I'd have to say attention to detail really is the key. You mm. know, so often here I hear a, a fantastically recorded show, and there'll just be little things that that bug me. Like, for example, a, a music track will stop before it's completely faded out. Uh, you know, yeah. things like that. Mm. Or people like to use really long intros <laughs> like oh, people oh. people like to use two three minute intros yeah i know i know of voices <laughs> going welcome to the yeah. blah 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 <laughs> podcast it goes, just goes on forever i mean that is my biggest pet peeve yeah i don't music, understand or music that doesn't fade down properly you can't hear what they're saying yeah exactly uh, i don't understand why <laughs> people have such long intros because mm. if i'm a new listener I, I don't want to sit through three minutes. I want to hear what your show's about. I don't want to hit, sit through three minutes of sound effects. Mm. Um, but for ex- for people that are already listening to that show, surely they'd be sick of that <laughs> three-minute <laughs> intro. I don't understand. So, there's that. Um, also, I was you know, a bit be- guilty of that in the early days, I have to admit. Well, well, so was I. I mean, I did some... I think it just comes down to inexperience. So, when mm. we do the shows now, we try and be into it within 30 seconds. Mm. Um also, be focused with the content, and this is something you know we've we've Aaron and I have been really you know learning as we go along. You know, be really focused with what you're going to talk about on the show, uh, and and make that apparent very very early on in the recording. Mm. So you know, in your first kind of minute, make your listener aware of of what's coming up and what they can look forward to on your show. You really have to make that clear. And you know, we've had a few uh, you know kind kind feedback on people emailing us and saying, you know, you guys have to talk about what's coming up on the show because you know, if you mm. just go into five minutes worth of banter, you can lose a lot of people in that first five minutes unless they, you know, they know what's coming up. Yeah, um, definitely. Also, I guess, I guess, you know, if you haven't already invested in some quality equipment, you know, I have to reiterate, spend a bit of money on, on good microphones because you only have to spend a little bit and it goes a long way. And also treat your room. I mean, you know, pay attention to the ha- the way that your room sounds, mm. because as I said earlier, people don't don't often take that into account. They don't realise how much of an impact it has on your sound. Um, I guess you know, break things up as well. Too often I hear podcasts which um, 
they seem to just go on forever and there's nothing to break up the pacing. Yeah. Uh, I think there's been research done that, that people kind of lose attention after, I think it's 15 or 20 minutes, you start mm. to lose people. So when we do our shows, we try and um, keep that in mind. And, and if we start to go over 20 minutes with a, with a segment, mm. we'll quickly throw in a music intro there so that it just breaks it up a bit and you grab people's attention again. Like a sort of long um, stinger or something. Yeah, I mean the music. The music for us works in that way. Yeah, just having yeah. those music breaks kind of uh, gives the ear a bit of a break, and then mm. you can come back to our voices fully focused. Um, also, I guess um, encourage feedback and 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 make it sort of interactive for your audience. That's that's a big key as well, and you, you have to make that accessible. So, you know, make sure that you allow people to call in and and, and give you feedback and email in. Um, and another one of my pet peeves, and I don't know if you know this, because your presentation is pretty damn good, Andy. I mean, your, you. your sites are good and it looks professional, but a good website just goes such a long way mm. with podcasting. I mean, it's such a big, it's such a big thing for us because especially in the paranormal world, I mean, the we have got landed interviews countless times purely on the strength of we have a functioning website that doesn't have blood writing, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> looks like it was designed in 1992. All you have to do is have a decent, spend a bit of a, put a bit of attention on your website and, you know, people will, will realize that you're actually taking it seriously. Mm. Um, and too often I see that as, as an afterthought with, with shows. They don't put enough attention into their sites. And like I said, we've, we've had people just kind of, it's funny, we, we've met people, like at the recent conference we did, we, we tell them we do a podcast and they kind of brush you off and mm. think, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then they email us a week later and go, oh, I saw your website. Oh, my gosh, you've got such an amazing website. Huh? When can we work together? You know. <laughs> so, you know, all it takes is a little bit of a, you know, a decent design and, and yeah. you can easily stand out above the crowd. It is a great website. Is it WordPress-based, Benjamin, your, your website? Yes, it, it is WordPress, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you do it yourself or did you outsource it? Uh, we well, we did outsource it at first, mm. and um, it didn't really work out. The, we ended up getting a nice logo from another designer, but I, I didn't like the website. So, yeah, because we had time, I ended up sitting down and just doing that design myself. Right. Um, so, it's, you know, it's always good to have good feedback on the site because it's my design. But, mm. I mean, I, I still want to go back to that design and, and tweak it and, and improve it. And there's still a lot of things we could do to make it better, I think. Well, Benjamin, listen, it's been, I've got a couple more questions. I've just, I just realised we're at about 57 minutes. I knew this would be a long interview. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got time if you've got time. Uh, yeah, I've got time. It's just how the listeners got time. I'm sure they have. Just where do you see podcasting going in the future, Benjamin, just in the last few minutes? Where, where do you, what do you think the future of podcasting is? I think our mass penetration will become a reality when we have things like Google TV coming in. Mm. Uh, I feel like we need to get out of the study in the computer room and into people's living rooms to really mm. have that mass appeal. Mm. Uh, so there's some encouraging things, like as I mentioned, Google TV, but also some of the TV manufacturers add, adding content directories inbuilt in their TVs. Like the yeah. new generation of TVs will connect directly to the internet. So you just switch on your TV and you've got a podcast directory there. I think uh, some of the bigger brands like Sony and Panasonic are actually doing that with the newer models. So that's really uh, that's really interesting to me. If it we is, can yeah. get in, because there's still that technical limitation. I mean, as easy yep. as iTunes has made podcasting, there's still uh, a technical hurdle for a lot of people. I mean, how do I get it onto my stereo? How do I listen to it? How do I download it? We still get those kind of support emails from people. Mm. Uh, so I think it needs to be even more accessible so that you can just switch on a device and there it is. And then we will perhaps start to see the kind of promised land of <laughs> advertising that you know, people were talking about in, in 2005. Um, I think we also need better tools for people to charge for their content. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't mean you know, everyone that does a podcast needs to charge for it. I'm just saying there are some really quality products out there, but it is very, very difficult to monetize at this stage. I don't think the tools are there uh, for people to... I mean, I mean the, the, the headaches we have with trying to integrate PayPal with our membership system are just endless. 
I mean, there's just so much. There's so much to think about, and it is very difficult. And Aaron and I have often, often, kind of fantasized about you know, investing some money into building the dream system mm. for for podcasters. So, if you're looking for an investment opportunity in the future, Andy, I'll I'll shoot you some ideas. But you know, we we really think that there it should be a lot easier for people to be able to to charge for for something that they put hours and hours and hours into. Sure, uh, you know, every single week. So I think have, have that, at, that has to open pre- up. Uh, have you looked at premium cast? Well, that's what we use. We use okay, premium right. cast. But I, I still think it, it it could be improved in, in so many ways. And I think sure. premium cast is actually built off another system that's aimed not so much at podcasting. Right. Um, yeah, there's just there's just a few ways that that could be improved. But you know, I think I think it's getting better. I mean, that is a really good example of of someone doing it right. Um. But I think you know podcasting is definitely here to stay because it is so immediate and so focused. I mean, what other medium can you find? You know, a podcast about some obscure board game in Germany that you love. There'll be a podcast for it out there, yep. or knitting, or whatever. I mean, it's just it's such an amazing thing to have such a such a coverage of every single niche you can think of. Oh, absolutely. When I'm doing my talks, I often joke about, you know, when I'm trying to sort of uh, make examples for people to make podcasting understandable to them, I often just use my joke about, oh, yes, the Underpants podcast. I looked at iTunes yeah. the other day. I think there actually is an Underpants podcast. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Anyway, uh, Benjamin Grundley, thank you so much for uh, for talking to us. It's been an absolute revelation. And uh, thanks for all of your insights and, and your information. Now, where can people find Mysterious Universe? What's the easiest way for them to consume it? Well, you can search for Mysterious Universe in the iTunes directory, of course, or our URL is mysteriousuniverse.org. And we have just over an hour free show every week, but we also do our plus membership, which gets you all the extra extra content. You get an extension of your regular show and, an, and a bonus show on the weekends. So yeah, mysteriousuniverse.org. And listen, folks, these these are these are long shows and they're damn good shows. So there's, there's, there's about an hour and 15 minutes is typical show length, isn't it, uh, Ben? Yeah, we went two and a half hours last one. I can't believe it. It was Did too you? long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mysterious New Universe is never too long for me. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. All right. I'm glad you're not falling asleep. My favourite emails are when people tell me, I love your show. It lets me go to sleep at night. I just fall asleep straight away. I, I could like, never do not- that. It, it would freak me out too much if I was listening to it as I was going to sleep. <laughs> anyway, Benjamin Grundy of Mysterious Universe, thank you very, very much indeed. My pleasure, Andy. Thanks. So that wraps it. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview there with Ben Grundy. Um, if you've got any questions, just go to the website, podcastingadvisor.com, and leave them on there. There's the show notes there as well. Of course, you can subscribe there. And um, if you want to phone the voice answer line, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six zero six four. if you want to leave a, a voice message or email me at andy at podcastingadvisor.com. Any feedbacks or questions, or if you want to hire me for podcast production or consultancy, Quick mention of the book, I'm still aiming for the 1st of November, I know it's only a few days away now, and I'm really going hell for leather, so it's still in the target for the 1st of November, uh, that's over at uh, podcastingunleashedthebook.com, and that's it, goodbye, uh, wishing you all the best, uh, Andy White signing off, uh, enjoy your podcasting journey, and I'll see you next week. Bye.